Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Today is Friday. It's August the 11th. And we have a friendly Friday. We'll have Steve Friend on in just a second, so we'll welcome him to the program. Steve's on the road, so he's going to have a little different background. But we did decide to wear the same shirt, so you will not be surprised to find out that the suspendables are coordinated and we back up other suspendables. Before we get started today with today's show, uh, there's obviously a lot of FBI news uh, this week. It actually put me on Dan Bongino's radio show yesterday and Glenn Beck's radio show. So that's always an interesting little experience. Uh, We'll talk about some of the stuff that's been going on. I think you guys can see it in the show notes. If you are paying attention, you will already know some of these things. But we're going to cover some of the old topics. We're going to just do a weekly wrap-up like we like to do on Friendly Friday. Before we do that, I want to say thanks to my sponsor, and I actually do mean this. In fact, Steve and I were just talking about this a second ago. These are our friends over at Catholic Vote. You can head over to catholicvote.org and sign up for the loop. If you are new to the program, I highly recommend it. Put in your name, put in your email address, put in your zip code, and you will be able to see the loop. The Loop is an outstanding email. It's got all kinds of good news articles. It's things that you haven't heard previously. And in fact, here is my Loop. There it is right there in my email box. I don't have Ryan there, so I can shut cut it over. We've got a couple of great stories in there. Wall Street Journal blasting the FBI over the anti-Catholic memo. More of that, which we'll go into. Uh, the FBI shooting, killing a guy in Utah. You guys probably know this story already. There's uh, DeSantis firing a Soros-backed prosecutor. Um, Catholics and Muslim parents. I'm actually going to talk about that a little bit later on today. A couple other things in here. Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, New York repeals a pro-abortion bubble zone. Uh, PA governor defunding pro-life centers. We're going to talk about that. So a lot of the stuff that we think is newsworthy here at the Kyle Serafin show also ends up being in the loop. I highly recommend you check them out. Go go ahead and sign up for it and uh, put it in. In fact, I have my Catholic vote coffee mug sitting right here. I asked them to send me one that you all can read. Uh, great organization, good people. And they're really helpful here at the Kyle Serafin show. So since we are flying solo, we have no Ryan Matta, we are going to bring in Steve Friend, and bear with me because the technical fun here will be a little bit slower than normal, but we will make it work. Here is my buddy Steve Friend. Let's see if I can throw us both on the screen. Steve Friend, welcome back, my friend, and what a good-looking shirt you got there. Release the merch. What does that mean? What is free the merch? What what, what are we trying to free here? I don't understand. I don't know. I guess it's like the Kraken. We got to have to uh, release the Kraken. Yeah, free yeah. the merch. And uh, folks, we've got a we've got a Patriot cooler promo from Ryan. He's not here, so he sent me a video, and I will uh, show that we have in fact freed the cup. Many of you guys are concerned about Ryan Matta getting a Patriot cooler tumbler. We made it happen. I have video proof. So, uh, Steve, big week FBI. Uh, we were just talking before we got started about whether or not you could run an entire show on a regular basis just bashing bad decisions by the FBI. What do you think? Yeah, I had my doubts before this. I thought maybe the Monday, Wednesday, Friday was almost too much. But uh, after a week like this, I think you need to have multi-hour shows throughout the week in order to cover the ground. I mean, obviously, there's you went in, into great depth about the uh, the white martyrdom that's necessary at this point. And, and the reason that is is because the FBI is they're not even uh, peeing on our leg and telling us it's raining. It's like directly into our mouth at this point with their personnel <laughs> decisions. Can we not? Uh, Can we not with that? It's so early on a Friday to be talking about someone peeing in your mouth and telling you that it's raining and enjoy the Gatorade, right? Just to have your smoothie out of your uh, Patriot cooler and you'll be fine. Watch that down. It's straight up downstairs right now getting filled up. I'm sure of it. I haven't heard the blender yet, so my wife is a little behind. Um, I did Glenn Beck yesterday, and uh, you know that moment when uh, your, your spouse is about ready to have a baby and uh, she's walking around and it just looks... From our end, it looks incredibly awkward, and you just think, like, God bless them for doing what they got to do. Um, I got on Glenn Beck's thing, and he was talking about Trump's presidency. And so I was like, yeah, the whole way through the Trump uh, pregnancy, presidency. And he started laughing at me <laughs> on the air. And I was like, dude, I got pregnancy on the on the brain right now. Like, we are in baby drop zone right now. When you're one week out from the due date, uh, anything could happen. My parents are literally, like, waiting to hear the phone call that there's another baby in the world. And... uh 
So for those of you who are listening, and a lot of people have wished us, uh, you know, good luck on this and congratulations. It's really all my wife's doing. She still gets up and makes breakfast for the kiddos. She's literally downstairs taking care of kiddos and looks like she's going to explode at any moment and uh, drop another human. Is, is the nesting like up a notch even too? Is she just like ready for this to be over? Or is she just also one of these types that just loves being pregnant? She loves being pregnant. Uh, she told me that again, my, my mother, I guess, told me something to that effect at the time. My mom was a lot younger. It's a, it's a little different going through at 41 than it is when you're in your early 20s or mid 20s. Uh, and yet, um, yeah, th there's a special thing that happens. And I think women understand it. And we can't. We can just see it from the outside. I believe her. She says it. It looks so awkward and uncomfortable to be moving around with that extra weight. My wife is very small and uh, she's just got all baby right now. But uh, it is it is kind of the special thing that we see in the women. And what's even funnier, and I think this pivots towards what we were going to talk about. There's a lot of female leadership in the FBI. And you mentioned that you had, quote unquote, one of the good ones uh, in your field office or in your uh, in your R.A., Will you kind of give people insight behind that? Because we're going to talk about who's in charge over in Salt Lake and some of the other nonsense. And it turns out every single time I see these bad things, uh, there's like a female FBI agent involved. And I, I don't know if that's just a coincidence. That's what we're tuned to, to see. But hit, hit your experience with the quote unquote good ones and what that means. It's, it's tough because I think there's a lot of pressure in the FBI to show that there's diversity at the top of the chain of command, the chain of management. Uh, and, but it's just not... From the pool of, of people to pull from, it's just not a difficult. It's just not an achievable thing. You can't to get to 50, 50 parity is not representative of uh, what the actual agent population is, which is heavily male. It's law enforcement. That's just the way it is. And as a result of their efforts to elevate female agencies' positions of authority, their selection pool is very small, and it has to start very early in their career. So you have a lot of just inexperienced people. It's it's not necessarily a character flaw as a result. But the, the, they're, they're always pressuring females to try to elevate so that they can have them available to be an assistant director at some point or a deputy assistant director. Right. And the people that actually have or seem to demonstrate not a capacity for leadership, but an actual desire to enter that career path, the, the passion in the promotion, they're, they're people that just want to tell men what to do as opposed to be a leader of men and, and, and actually achieve the mission that we expect from the FBI. So my experience with, with female leadership was they, were, they came in and right away were trying to demonstrate their authority and they would do it through a disciplinary process where they would try to find something small and transient to just rake you over the coals for. Like I you know, had a manager come in and say like, I don't like the way you use commas in your 302 write-ups. Or- I love that, you know, yeah, I the style guy. They'd be like, oh, that's, not, a, that's not according to the CI style guide. I'm like, is there a published style guide somewhere? Like, well, I read it years ago, and that's how I enforce. That's why I couldn't use the word that when I wrote things up. You know? It has to be which, not that. Yes. And they, they would hammer. I always hammered on 302 right up because I was told that they needed to read like a transcript from uh, the audio recording of my actual interview. And I said, well, why wouldn't I just order a transcript? And then in my 302 say, <laughs> see attached transcript. Right. And the response I got was, well, you should have the actual transcript and your 302 should be a transcript as well. So I, I and that was just to exercise some sort of authority to see if you were the type that would just go along with whatever they said. And as long as you demonstrated at least a willingness to do that somewhat, uh, then you eluded the spotlight of the discipline process from that manager. And then they found somebody else. And then ultimately within a few months, we're looking to promote anyway. Let me, let me share a funny little story I had uh, as my last couple of days there in New Mexico. And I think this was always um, sort of illustrative of, of how these people were. So there's a woman, God, I can't think of her last name, but her first name was Amy. And her last name is, I don't know, the troll queen, something like that. She was this little midget of a person. She looked kind of like a Oompa Loompa, you know, the type, uh, overbearing personality, like no capabilities, physically unimpressive. I don't know how these people get into the senior management, but I remember meeting her. She was the ASAC in Albuquerque. Hopefully she hears this cause she's trash. She's a shitty person. There's no other way around it. Sorry, people. I, I got overcome right there. She's just awful. She's just a, like a lousy human being. And I remember going up with my partner. My partner was a green beret. He's a stud. He's a really good dude. You know, I, we actually talked last night, still a good guy. So, um, one of the few people who's not scared of talking to me, you know, and you know the type, there's not that many, right? So we go up to meet this lady because we're on the field office, uh, like the headquarters city visit. We drive up, it's a couple hours, we go up with the boss, we sit down, we meet her, she's the administrative ASAC. So you already know that she's useless. 
She's doing a job that nobody else wants to do, has nothing to do with any investigations. She's just like pushing paper. And she goes, uh, oh, were you in Washington field office? And I go, yeah. And she, she goes, how long are you there? And, you know, I know a lot of people there and that's always a bad sign. <laughs> you know, like we're in the middle yeah. of in, in New Mexico. They do that game where do you know so-and-so? Do you know so-and-so? And, -so? and yeah. we could do this all day long. And they want to figure out who your circle is. Because if your circle overlaps with theirs, that's that Venn diagram, then you're a good person. That's or right. You're not a good person. So she did this with me right away. And she's like, uh, she was like, oh, like, who were some of your supervisors while you were at WFO? And I said, oh, uh, Aubrey Schwartz was was uh, my first supervisor. And she was like, oh, I know Aubrey. And at that time, Aubrey Schwartz was the ASAC of criminal and probably something else in uh, Minneapolis, letting George Floyd riot and, and failing in, in that capacity. And she's the worst boss I've ever had in any job ever to include when I was 15 and 16 years old working at a Baskin Robbins and teenagers were in charge. So she was the least competent human being that I've ever had. She was a liar. She was a cheat. She was dishonest to your face. She was a bad person. And I mean that like she like I will make moral judgments on this person. I rarely will be able to do that. She's not a good human being and I don't want anything good for her. I want her career to stop. Of course, she's a section chief or higher already. She was a section chief in the uh, domestic terrorism unit down at uh, Alabama last time I checked. So this woman, she was like, oh, you, you know, Aubrey. And I go, yeah, she was my boss for, you know, whatever, a year and a half, two years. And she was like, oh, I love Aubrey. She's great people, you know? And I was like, oh, you're, you're an awful human being. If like, that's, if that's the kind of people you like, and like you said, it's the Venn diagram overlap. It's who do you know that I know that I like? And I just kind of nodded my head along. I, I was like, I didn't like working for her. I think I said that because I was real honest. I just, I don't care. Like, what are you going to do? Like you're a tender, you're 13. They can't get rid of you. We found that out to be not the case, but generally speaking, <laughs> they're not supposed to get rid of you. So, uh, so she tells me this. So we're down in, in New Mexico, uh, in, in our spot in Las Cruces. And we're sitting down there and we're having this conversation. It's a new agent. He's brand new. He's right out of the Academy. A couple of weeks and nice kid, like young, uh, kind of inexperienced, like, look, latching onto every single thing that anybody with seniority says and i'm talking to him and i'm and we're having this like pretty in-depth conversation about an interview we're about to go conduct at a prison and i'm giving him some you know role play advice and i'm trying to talk him through what it's gonna look like so here we are talking nicely my boss is in his office and the door is closed and this might have been after the whistleblower in fact i think it was after the whistleblower stuff um so i'm already on the list you know like i'm already out the door so she comes down. I see her, like I said, Oompa Loompa. I'd never seen her standing. I'd only seen her behind her desk. I had no idea that she was like 4'11 and probably like 240, just like and wide, you know, but like like this, she's like kind of like a weeble wobble, like a top, just not a good build. And she comes like waddling up to us and she goes and she bangs on my boss uh, Ryan's door and, and Ryan doesn't answer. And then she bangs on it again. And then she turns to us and she goes, is he in there? And I said, well, it's either him or a squirrel is going through all the papers. I heard something earlier. And he was probably on the phone, right? And he doesn't know who's knocking on the door. And we didn't know she was coming down. And then she goes, she goes, oh, well, you know, why isn't he answering the door? And I go, um, I, I don't know. My telepathy powers are blocked by the steel because we had steel doors, you know. And, and she looks at me and she goes, I don't know if you know who I am. You know, I'm Amy, whatever. I'm the ASAC. And I was like, yeah, Kyle Serafin, we've met. And she goes, oh, I know you. And then she goes and shakes the other guy's hand. And he's like, I think she said, I'm Amy. She didn't say she was the ASAC. And so he doesn't know. So Mac, this new kid, he's just like, hi, Amy. Like, how's it going? Like, he's really excited, you know? She walks off and he goes, she wasn't very nice to you. And I was like, yeah, she doesn't like me. And then, of course, a couple of weeks later, they came and took my badge and my gun. So that was pretty good. But these are the awful human beings. I want to pivot this because there's a couple of really awful female human beings that we're going to be talking about in the FBI. I'll probably talk about some of them when you're done because I know you have limited time today. But I wanted to get into Salt Lake. And let me see if I can actually make this happen. So bear with me here. Um, we know that there was a shooting in the Salt Lake Division in Provo. Um, I, you were talking about a story earlier. And while you tell that story, I'll bring up the uh, this little web page. You had a similar experience. And you, wanted to, you shared it on a space, I think. But will you just tell people what that looked like and, and how badly these could have gone. Cause this is not uncommon what happened in Utah. Yeah. I mean, it, when I was reflecting on that during the space, it just occurred to me how this was a, a nearly identical situation that we dealt with, with the, uh, the Omaha SWAT team where there was an older gentleman, definitely off his rocker, uh, not in good physical health. And he had made some threats against Senator Joni Ernst and we were deployed to go and arrest him for those threats. And when we got there, obviously he didn't come to the door very quickly. Uh, I remember it not being uh, 
like a six o'clock in the morning hit for some reason in my mind i, I remember the, it being pretty bright out uh maybe i'm mistaken on it but he wasn't quick to the door we wind up breaching the door and he was coming down the steps at that point and now we've angered this guy because we've just booted his door and he starts screaming and he gets combative so when we go to put hands on him and handcuff him he's resistant and it's on the front porch of the house and one of our operators who grabs him winds up kind of pushing him against the window to the to the house and the window breaks so we break this window arresting this guy and i just thought about how lucky were we that he did wasn't coming to the door as i would be when there's banging on my door i would be armed as i came down and you could just you could foresee gun 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 bang 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 and now we have a dead guy where was that really necessary when this guy was completely not ambulatory he wasn't necessarily going to be able to carry out this threat imminently we could have easily just used another means to bring him into custody we were talking offline i said we can't post up a guy outside on the street nearby so when he walks out with his walker to go to his mailbox they can't scoop him up that would seem to be a, a far more a far safer way to do it and, and essentially the fbi introduces the possibility of greater violence because of its lust for the bust it's lust to use the tools at its disposal and and we were lucky in omaha that it didn't come back to burn us as it has uh in in salt lake city on this brand new sac that just was elevated to that position a couple weeks ago you said lust for the bust i've never heard that before uh is that a, a common expression i got no audio well that doesn't help um, lust, lust for the bust. Yeah. So I was trying to make this thing work. <laughs> this is what I said. We were going to always be playing. I've never heard that expression. Lust for the bust. Is that, is that a common expression that uh, people use? Yeah, that's a cop one. That's, that's the traffic officer who wants to write the ticket. So he just, he rolls up and wants to stroke that ticket out so he can get back out and run a radar lust for the bus. He doesn't see that there's a bunch of dope in the car or smell it, or that the person might be having a gun and he puts himself in a vulnerable position. The lust for the bus, but makes you just, uh, it's your, uh, just pigeonholed on, or your view, your tunnel visioned on what you want to do. And as a result, you're, you're missing uh, the field and what, and what the threats are and what the possibilities are. People are giving us a hard time because we're wearing the same shirt. Uh, GOB actual or buddy Garrett is actually in the chat right now. So this is what you missed in the chat, Steve. We had um, moms took it away for a little while and we're talking about their pregnancies and the number of babies. So uh, we, we love moms. So we're, look, we're man, it's, I told you my work wife, our cycles are syncing up here. It's, it's just, how it's going to be from now on. That's what it is. Uh, the second thing was, is people wanted to know if your shirt is actually <laughs> backwards, if you got a mirror printed last line strength uh, shirt, because I think there's probably a setting on your end, which flipped your camera, but none of that matters it that much. Flipped. Be I don't know. It's, it's like the American flag. It's upside down. It's it, yeah, we're in distress. That is the distressed. Uh, this is the uh, in duress or under duress situation. Okay, so let's talk about this new SAC. I'm going to throw her... Um, I'm going to throw her bio up on the screen. We'll talk about it real quickly, folks. So you did some digging on this. This is Shahani Sinaha, uh, Sinha, whoever the hell that is, uh, joined the FBI in 2001. She's in charge of the Salt Lake Field Office. And point out the significance of, of this particular press release, if you would. Uh, it, it just it's, it's her her curriculum vitae. It's her resume. And it, it just shows how she's had one of the most cush routes to senior executive service that you could possibly imagine, but that's not atypical for so many of these people, especially the females, because they want to elevate them quickly. And, and you look at her actual theoretical investigative experience is in the single digit number of years. And she gets elevated then to working overseas at these cush jobs with London, and then she's liaising with Canada. And I mean, and those are really cush. You don't even have to know another language for that. Yeah, that's and the real thing. Like the, those jobs are so desired. Like like most people, if they want to get into what's called the legat program, which is the uh, the legal attache program, you got to go start somewhere pretty rotten. That's usually the move. Or you've got to accept a tough post. Like my buddy got into it, but he did it by going to Guam. And so he was in Guam. Okay. Then he was approximately closer to Canterbury or Canbury or whatever the heck it is in, in Australia. And so he was able to get some of the island stuff like that. But you got to go take like a, you got to go cut your, you know, do your dues. And it looks like she got moved to London like right away after a, after a short little stay down in uh, Guantanamo, which our buddy uh, George was part of on the military end of it. And he didn't seem to think yep. it was a, people who went to Guantanamo didn't seem to hate it that much. They actually said they had beautiful quarters. They had a, a gorgeous beach. Um, they were on the military base and treated like officers. So that's a pretty good gig. Um, but the significance of this to me is the July 31st press release. She's just she's named at the end of July. So that's days ago. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. So do you think 
that just getting settled in there. Maybe she might not even be there. Let's. She might still be in transit. transit there could be an acting SAC right now in Salt Lake, and that would be worth knowing. And if it was an acting SAC or a brand new SAC, do you think that person uh, having basically their their rank Velcroed on their sleeve instead of sewed on at this point yep. uh, is going to question using SWAT against a threat to the president? Well, that's really it. And that's what people need to understand is that we're talking about essentially a, a complete lack of leadership within the FBI. We're talking about the, um, you know, we're, we're dealing with people that don't have the courage of their convictions because they don't they don't know what they're getting into. Uh, they, they haven't done this job before is their first step in. And the last thing they want to do is screw up their first decision. And so SWAT as a default is kind of the FBI move, unless you tell me otherwise. No, it definitely is. I mean, we talked about this, too. I said that there's this mentality of the FBI agent is a case manager, not a case agent. And it's a it's a way of thinking that that I think has infected so many. And when you're a, a case manager, you're sort of moving chess pieces around a board to do things for your case as opposed to actually working your case. So you need financial analysis done. So well, I'll send the documents over to the forensic accountant to do that. And I need evidence analysis done. So I'll send it to the lab after the evidence collection team collects it for me. And I need uh, to make an arrest now, so I'll send SWAT because SWAT's the default arrest team now to go do that arrest for me as opposed to actually wanting to put hands on the subject where, I don't know about you, but and I assume we're pretty simpatico in our belief, I joined the FBI to actually put handcuffs on bad guys. I did not want to give that opportunity up to somebody else to do for me. Right. But I think there's a lot of agents that are just content to, hey, my gun is something I wear from my walk from the car to the office and then I put it into the drawer. A lot and of then agents do that. Keep that afterwards. And if I have to endanger myself in any way, and not to say that there, there's inherent risk, obviously, but you can certainly mitigate that substantially just with a little bit of creativity. But even that action is too much. SWAT are the guys, they sign up, they get the cool guy pajamas, they get all the gear, they can go do the arrest because that's what they do for fun. It's true. And I used to always make fun of the guys on the SWAT team in Washington Field. I used to call them the standard warrants and arrest team. <laughs> you know, because they they're, and then sometimes I'd call them standard weapons and tactics because SWAT in, in theory is supposed to be a specialized thing. They've got sniper tools. They've got, uh, you know, bombs, uh, squad guys that are assigned to them. Sometimes they've got robots. They've got all kinds of, you know, they're supposed to have upgraded weapons and capabilities. And yet they actually roll around with the most common thing that exists in law enforcement, which is an AR platform rifle and a Glock 17 pistol. There is nothing more standardized as I would say across this country when it comes to the way law enforcement does work. So it always made me laugh that they were like special. It's like, that's not special other than it All was right. a different, it was a different color uh, polymer grip. I, I got to share this story with you. You'll like this because they're always, they always, they're not reacting. It's not a SWAT call out to like an active shooter, right? It's, right. it's a tip 99.9% .9 of the time. You're, it's a planned arrest, but they always do in training. Like the situation is we're at training and then we're needed right away. We got to respond, right? <laughs> the, the fake call out that doesn't exist. Yeah, it actually happened to us in Omaha once. Okay. We were at training, got the call. Hey, we have an escaped felon that we have to go and, and take down. He was in uh, Des Moines. We had to actually drive across the state <laughs> to go to Des Moines to assist. It winds up being an escape like property crime felon who just like walked out of the jail mm -hmm. and then like a, like a minimum was, security yeah and and was driving we get into a vehicle pursuit and the like the full SWAT team and this guy wrecks his vehicle flips it over hits a civilian and she winds up breaking her leg so badly that she has to have her legs amputated and she sues the FBI for millions Whoa. so that's what special weapons and tactics brings to bear from the FBI when they have an actual call out Instead of actually just doing the people that should be doing that, which is the United States Marshal Service, who uh, run down fugitives for a living and uh, people like what I used to do, which was find people for a living. You would literally give us a photograph, maybe a license plate on a neighborhood or a general area. And we'd go find people all the time. I had we had such good success. It didn't make any sense to me. And I, I always laugh. You could be it's better to be lucky than good sometimes. But I, I cannot believe how often you would literally give me like a driver's license picture from eight years ago and tell me like not the make, but it was like a white four door sedan with a sunroof and uh, and Maryland plates. No, no further information. And we go find the guy all the time. We would have all this great success doing that because you were where you needed to be because that's what that's, we did. You, yeah, we you were, were in the that. flow like that's what you did. Like yeah. and, and you I mean, I had these days on the res. I used to talk about it 
where I was like, I'm uh oh, I'm having one of those days where everything syncs up the way you want it to. Like that witness who you can't find is all of a sudden you find them. And it would be the point where I was like, I would know I was in the middle of one of those days and I would look at the, my, my checklist of cases and I was like, oh, I haven't been able to find that guy for like six, eight weeks. I'm going to find him on this day. This is how it's going to be <laughs> Some, spelled sometimes out. Sometimes it just and, all and it works out, right? You, you just you just know. You're just like in the zone the way like an athlete is where they just can't miss uh, when they're shooting basketballs, something like that. Right, which is a little bit scary. It's a scary moment because everything, that's probably when you're probably going to get killed, you feel like, because everything is going yeah. far too well. Uh, Garrett's sitting in the chat, <laughs> and so people are, are are riling up, and they're like, hey, add Garrett to the stream if you guys are just going to be riffing about stuff. Garrett, I actually sent you a link. You're welcome to join the show if you want, because Steve's going to have to disappear here in a few minutes. He's going to big time yeah. us. Who are you going on? Yeah, I've got Glenn Beck in the 10 o'clock Eastern time hour. So in three minutes, I'm expecting a call from, uh, I'll get your sloppy seconds from yesterday. Yeah, fair enough. But let me just say this. Glenn Beck seemed like he was worried <laughs> that he had made me upset because I, I tried to give a very fair and accurate picture. And I think, you know, that's how we do it. When I start talking about what is and what is not the case, I'm sure those guys are probably going to be finding a justified case and they will be justified once it happened. Just like you talked about the minute somebody produces a gun, you have a, a duty and responsibility to your teammates to, to keep them safe. Uh, and yet, Choosing that tool. I, yeah, I say you I choose, choose I the doctor, you choose the diagnosis, choose the technique of arrest, you choose the way it goes down. What do you think? Yeah, they, they introduced the possibility of a higher level of violence or a higher likelihood of violence as soon as they brought in a bear cat with a donger on the front for a guy who they already had agents who had talked to that could have told you, hey, look, he's not extra mobile. He's not extra healthy physically he's not going to be able to carry out that sort of, of threat. We could easily do this another way. But again, you have either an acting special agent in charge or a brand new special agent in charge. They're not going to want to put that PowerPoint that gets briefed up to headquarters about a threat to the president's life that, yeah, we elected to send a case agent or case manager over to have a discussion with this man. I'm sending the SWAT team. Right. It briefs well, as my buddy likes to say up in Montana, um, whenever things that were really dumb were proposed, it briefs well. Right. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, that's, I mean, Phil also says uh, the GS 15 and above never says no to a bad idea. Never says no. That's the only way you're going to advance. I don't want you to be uh, right on the edge of it. Uh, you have any parting thoughts on that? And we'll, we'll say goodbye to you and thank you for your time here on it. But, uh, and also if you want to plug the book real quick, you can obviously do all those things too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, just I'll plug the book. Uh, True blue, my journey from beat cop to suspended FBI whistleblower sales are going all right. I'm going up to Atlanta to do a few speaking engagements and book signings. Uh, this weekend, I've got some other events going on in Florida, and I uh, just encourage everybody to pick up a copy of it. Uh, I think it's doing okay. I don't know. The publisher uh, hasn't given me exact figures, but again, like I'm not expecting to make money. Uh, unlike Debbie Wasserman Schultz implied, I didn't take an advance for this book. I just wanted the information to get out to people and then uh, be able to say that I was a best-selling author, which I can say. In your category, you are the best-selling author, and moreover, you publish things the FBI didn't want you to. Correct. That's the ultimate, the ultimate. No, no redactions. That's it. All right. So folks, if you want to get Steve's book, go to uh, check it out. It's True Blue on Amazon, real easy to do, or you can see him at one of the many speaking engagements he's flying around the country doing. And you can follow Steve at Real Steve Friend on Twitter. Uh, he joins me for Twitter spaces and we give good commentary and then also on Truth, if you like. And that's Real underscore Steve Friend, S-T-E-V-E, -E, Steve Friend. Um, common spellings for everything. Super easy. Buddy, thanks for joining me for the Friday. I hope you have a good, safe drive uh, down to your speaking engagements and say hi to Grandma again for us at the Kyle Serafin Show. <laughs> we enjoyed it, man. Hey, thank you, man. Have a great weekend and happy weekend to Grandma Isabel, who uh, is downstairs at my parents' house right now. Outstanding. Good stuff. Hopefully they hear this stuff. All right, buddy. Uh, we'll see you soon. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen. So we're going to continue on here. Um, I've got a couple of things I want to bring up. I got a couple of kind of bizarre news articles that are happening. So we're going to move through them in sort of slow order. Uh, the first, obviously, is the fact that we have some bad female leadership. I'm going to cover some of those. I actually got a little video for you. Obviously, it looks like Chris Rye. Chris Ray was actually lying, and I've been uh, sort of called in to do a couple of different news programs. This Catholic, this Catholic document that was released, this was an intelligence product. If you didn't read the original, can I just make another shameless plug to go to UncoverDC.com? 
Many of you know Tracy Beans. She's a friend of the Suspendables. She runs the Dark Delight podcast, which I've been on a number of times with her. Uh, Tracy and I are actually going to cooperate on a, a little uh, article for people to have a better understanding of what happened in Utah. So I will be putting that out in writing for those of you that want to share that around and they're not podcast listeners and they want to just see something in print. I am going to write up what I think that the real problem is. And there's a significant problem in this country with SWAT tactics. Uh, I got into it last night on a Twitter space and, I, and I'll share it a little bit here just in broad strokes. The idea that there is a need for a dynamic entry in law enforcement is very, very antiquated. And I think it's very low. There is only really one, maybe two times you can justify what we call dynamic entry. Dynamic entry is when someone rolls up to the door, bangs on it and says police, and then use a battering ram and goes into it. And why would you do something like that? And the only really two justifiable situations are one active shooter. Somebody is inside and they are shooting and killing people, which is very similar to a much smaller sort of situation, which is known as HR in the business or hostage rescue. And those are the only two reasons why a SWAT team should be rolling in, taking down a door and going in. It is to protect life and limb is essentially it, but it's really just life. You are going in because there's the possibility that an innocent person might be killed. And in order to protect that life, you are going to do the most dangerous thing for both the subject and for the officers or the agents that are going into the door. And that is entering an uncleared, unknown space this is not Iraq. This is not Afghanistan. This is still the United States. You can stand outside safely. You are not going into that door because it has the possibility of being somewhat safer and clearable and more contained. Uh, and just for your awareness on this, the way that it works, and all my military veterans understand this uh, intuitively, when you go and you enter a building, when you are in a foreign country, the outside is unsecured because you are in the street. The inside is unsecured, but you can go in there and at least you have walls. So you enter the building at high speed with high velocity with what they call speed, surprise and violence of action. The CQB or close quarter battle triangle. You go in because you can go in there and you can control some space that is smaller and you do it because it's safer for your team to be uh, inside of a building, then exposed in the street. That's why you do that in law enforcement in America. That is not a requirement. There is almost no need for it almost ever. Maybe in some neighborhoods in Baltimore, some in Southeast uh, D.C. that I've been in, a couple of them on the East Coast that are pretty trashy. There's some in Pittsburgh that were pretty rough. But otherwise, there's really very little reason to go through a door. You should not be going in there to protect evidence, and you should not be going in there to, um, to simply secure a subject. You can wait indefinitely. At some point in time, they'll run out of food. They'll get bored. They get sick of you playing music, and they will surrender. Or they will take their life or whatever other things happen. But the option is that you give them a choice to do that thing. And by going in the door at 0600, which is a default SWAT tactic for the FBI, you are rolling into an unknown scenario with people of unknown mindset who have unknown capabilities and weapons. And you are putting them to a decision for all their chips without any preparation. And especially in a situation where you've got some old guy who's got a you know disabled son and is in his bedroom and probably has low mobility, it is incredibly dangerous. I just absolutely resist the idea that this needs to be done, like I said, unless you are trying to protect life. And that is not the case for what happened here. So it is, it is kind of a troubling thing. I'm going to bring Garrett on. He's going to just riff with me. Looks like he popped in. Hey, buddy, uh, let me see if I can add you here. We're adding my dear friend Garrett O'Boyle to the stream. There he is. Wearing another suspendable hey, hey, shirt. What's up, bud? What's up? It, it's Friday, and, and we're in baby mode here, which means that I'm also in family mode. So bringing on the family here yeah. is always a good time. Uh, you were getting a, a call out in the chat, so I wanted to go ahead and uh, give you the opportunity to jump in. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put myself on a different camera. I'm going to pull up some news articles. We'll, we'll react to them in, in real time, if that's cool with you. And uh, yeah, you haven't see. been prepped, so you'll get a real, a real uh, good idea of what they look like. Here we go here. Let's try to do it like this. And how about this? Kaboom. There we are. So two studly gentlemen wearing cool, suspendable type shirts. Well, this is a, uh, an article that came out of the Daily Signal. I wanted you guys to, to see this. This is written by Gigi De La Torre, uh, written yesterday, uh, day before yesterday. And she describes this. This is entitled Especially Cruel. A mother of a Down syndrome daughter calls out the Montgomery County. This is uh, just outside of Washington, D.C. in Maryland. Uh, their denial to opt out of an attack on children. So this is a mom who has a... Uh, who has a, a Down syndrome child that does not want her, I think daughter, yeah, her daughter who has Down syndrome to have to go to a pride storybooks scenario because that's really what our schools are all about right now. They are pushing this bizarre, um, you know, they're putting this bizarre indoctrination on instead of what we'd like to indoctrinate. You have any thoughts about uh, what, why you would see a federal judge? Like what's going on with these district judges that are making these, these proclamations about this kind of stuff? Of course, this woman is Catholic. Um, 
Oh, of course. So, yeah, it, I think it's just a greater assault on Judeo-Christian beliefs, as it were, and uh, just the Antichrist nature that our country has taken. You know, it's it's interesting you popped this article up because Heidi and I were talking about schools last night. You know, we're getting, I know in some areas of the country, kids are already back to school and some will be starting in the next couple weeks and we homeschool. And uh, we were just talking about public school and how much of a misnomer that is, how it's really just government school. And um, think of this, you you send your kids to, to government school, government indoc from the time that they're four or five years old yep. until the time that they're 21 or 22 years old. So there's a, a pastor out there, uh, author, his name is Vody Bauckham. Uh, in one of his books, I think it's called uh, Family Driven Faith, he says, you can't expect to send your children to Caesar and not expect them to come home as Romans. And I think that that's where we are. And if if you push back on on Rome, as it were, and, and uh, our government and say, hey, you know what? Uh, I don't like this this DEI idea. I don't like this all this LGBTQ stuff. I'm a Catholic. I'm a Christian. Heck, even even Muslims, they are are against homosexuality and and all this LGBTQ nonsense. And uh, just to get it forced down our throats by the government is, I, I, it goes back to something we've talked about before. Uh, our society in large, our, certainly our government, they have replaced the capital G for God with the lowercase g for government. Yep. And that's the new religion. And this this is one of the pillars, one of the cornerstones of that religion. It, it's interesting because you, you just mentioned it. Uh, it. It's not so much that people are anti-gay per se. What they are is anti-indoctrination for a very small percentage of the population that does not have anything to do with the educational mandate of these schools. They're trying to teach like, quote unquote, tolerance, but they're really trying to normalize something that is actually, you know, you can tolerate the minority, as we actually talked about on this program. The respect for the republic is that we protect the minority and allow them to exist, but we make decisions for the majority without allowing a tyrannical majority. And what we have right now is a tyrannical minority, which is bizarre. It's absolutely upside down. I'm just going to read the opening of this thing. It says Muslim and Christian parents protested Wednesday outside of the U.S. District Court in Maryland for two hours before the court would hear arguments about the Montgomery County um, District Refusal to allow them to opt out with their children for this LGBTQ book curriculum known as Pride Storybooks. Uh, The woman who we're talking about, Grace Morrison, who was up on the screen just a second ago, a Catholic mom, daughter with Down syndrome, enrolled in Montgomery County Public Schools, or as we like to say, government schools. And she said that the uh, the school board's decision to deny parents the right to opt out of uh, the Pride Storybooks is an attack on children. And I do think it is because it's actually developmentally inappropriate for certainly her daughter, but probably for many others. This is a direct quote from her saying, not allowing children to just be children is sort of attack on their innocence because we're bringing sexuality into something that doesn't need to be done, Um, especially having a child with special needs. They already have so many challenges in their life. And then you add this, it feels especially cruel. I tend to have a strong agreement with what she's saying. You know, they're simply saying, uh, let them opt out. Let the parents decide what part of the curriculum is appropriate for what they're doing. And 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 unfortunately, the only way you do that really is by by uh, taking them completely out of these schools. Exactly, that is the only way anymore. And you know, I think back to when I was younger. Even in, in I think I was, I don't, I forget. Some some one of the years in high school, uh, we had switched from the private school we were going to. You know, mostly for like money reasons and whatnot. And we were in the public, the government school now. And um, I forget how we learned about it, but my parents didn't want us going through sex ed, learning how to put condoms on a banana and all that. So uh, the school agreed and we didn't show up to health class that day. And And, now they're saying, Yeah, let's be real honest about how difficult this is. We're talking about a cylindrical object and a cylindrical covering that goes over this sort of thing. Like just to get completely mechanical about it, uh, I think most dudes can figure out, you know, you know how to put on a baseball cap. You've been able to figure out how to put on a T-shirt since you were like my two-year-old can put on a T-shirt. We're literally talking about a process that is complicated so much that uh, maybe a three or four-year-old could do the mechanical action of it. Do I need them doing that? I don't think so. I don't think that's at all appropriate. It's like. Hey, hey, mom, I'm, I'm going to figure it out anyways, but uh, okay, we'll skip that day. But the, <laughs> the point here is the government is saying, no, you can't opt out. And, and this goes, you know, we've seen a lot of it in the past. I've, I've, it seems to me like in the last six months there, well, actually, I guess we'd go back into the last school year, especially. It seems that more and more and more government is saying, no, 
you actually aren't in charge of your kids. Well, what did what did what was Joe Biden's quote? That's what he not said. They're all of about... our kids. They're not just your kids. They're all right. of our kids. I mean, I'm paraphrasing. Right. And yeah, and that's that. I mean, that's not that's not true. The no. government does not own me or no. my kids. Correct. And e- even if I decide to send them to government school, the government still doesn't own them. Right. So if me as the parent wants to opt them out of, you name it, some pride event, some, I don't know, say they're reading like, uh, you know, the 1796 project or whatever, 1696 project or whatever that 1619, book is. 1619, yep. Uh, it, you know, like we're going to opt out of that if we want. That's our, our right as a parent because the state is not in charge of parenting. But it's it's just another Orwellian example of like, oh me, what I'm saying right now is a very antiquated idea to to the lowercase god government that that we are under. Yep. And they're gonna do everything they can to say, no, you you, you know, e- even like with homeschooling, like you have to register with the state. So like they got a list. They always have their lists. You know, they, like yep. our the unvaccinated list they had of us and you know whatever else. It's like oh they always got their list that they can go down. Like, oh here's some of the crazy anti-government people who think they can teach their kids better than us. They're not getting in doc. They're not getting the proper in doc for us to, to take over. It's true. And you know, what's funny is that uh, they showed that that was a losing uh, proposition in Virginia in, uh, in the uh, election of, of Glenn Youngkin. Right. So he came out and was very successful in being able to say like, look, and, and honestly, we just had Tiffany justice on the program the other day and their statement, we do not co-parent with the government means the government has no business being in this. They don't have a vested interest. And I would say it's 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 kind of offensive. This is actually another little or article I'm going to throw up on you. Uh, this actually comes from CatholicVote.org. And so this is something that was in the loop this morning. This is the PA governor whose name is uh, Josh Shapiro. He's a Democrat. And so what they did is they announced that they were not going to renew a state funding contract for Real Alternatives, which is a pro-life network of 77 crisis pregnancy centers throughout Pennsylvania. You know, the ones that uh, the FBI was unable to find people that were uh, defacing and damaging. It says, although there's $8.2 million on a light item that is actually budgeted for women's health purposes, the uh, Real Alternatives, which is the name of this organization, will not be receiving any of this money as it has in the past. Instead, the governor's office will be accepting new applications for women's health providers. I'm sure that is a euphemism for abortion. And and this reminds me so many ways. I, I don't know how much you followed the work of uh, Pope John Paul II, but one of the things that I remember very formatively growing up in the Catholic Church was, and, and it was something that he was very accurately diagnosing, is a culture of death, a secular culture of death. And anytime you're going to take cash away from an organization that's quote unquote pro-life, that's literally what they're doing. They are encouraging women to help them to move along in pregnancies. And this is especially important to us right now and in our house. But the idea that you're going to defund an area that is meant to help babies come into this world, you are, in fact, part of the culture of death. And uh, Pope John Paul II was spot on with that kind of thing. I think um, it's just grown exponentially since he, since his passing. Yeah, I, I think you're right. He he was spot on. You know, it makes me think of of Old Testament where it, it it's talking about Molech and some and Baal and some of the the uh, the gods that that Yahweh God did not want the Israelites to to worship. And there's a verse I forget exactly where it is, but it says something like they even offer their kids, their children, as sacrifices to their gods. Mm-hmm. And again with this idea of lowercase God government, that's exactly what this is. Uh, I think since, uh, since, since Roe was first enacted, we have slaughtered something like 70 million, uh, preborn, uh, humans. So our God is a loving, gracious God, but that, that grace eventually will run out and that grace will turn to vengeance and justice and as loving and as gracious as he is he's equally just and so a nation you know i think i think we're seeing a nation under judgment uh for for many reasons not just this but this is certainly one of them you can't slaughter 70 million people god's most prized creation and think there's going to be no consequence 
hundred percent. Let me, hey, let me maybe let me, maybe I'm just an extremist, you know. No, you're definitely an extremist. That's why that's why we get along. Um, <sighs> I, I somebody was saying that they were not an extremist the other day on a Twitter space, and I was like, let me just go on record and say I am an extremist. That's just yeah. the way it works for me. Let me read this because uh, what this is what the organization Real Alternative said. They said we believe the governor has been terribly misinformed about the need for the program and its success. By the way, they've received sixty million dollars in state funding in the last ten years, so that makes sense. Uh, close to ten million dollars a year. The services that this program provides to the women of Pennsylvania are crucial. Approximately 60% of the women who come to our program are considering abortion and choose to bring their baby to term because of them. Also, 84% of the women pressured to abort choose to bring their baby to term once they've gone through this organization. And they added at the end, terminating this program will result in increased abortions throughout the Commonwealth. If you find that to be a value, I would say that you are evil, but that is essentially what these people are doing right now. They have basically said, we want to do the pro-abortion thing. The idea of pro-life, that's a euphemism for being pro-death. I'm sorry, pro-life and then pro-choice. Pro-choice is pro-death. It is now. It didn't actually used to be. In theory, they used to say we support people being born, but we're okay with the idea um, if there is like safe, legal, and rare, which is still an awful position, but it's somewhat at least there's at least a minimal moral defense that we could get behind there. Most Christians would not get behind it, but they at least understand where you come from. But if your position is pro-death, which it is currently, it's insane. And I saw these people in front of the uh, Supreme Court, by the way. I don't know if I told you when I was out in front of the Supreme Court. We had a lady that was yelling, hail Satan, and she suddenly found herself all by herself. Because even that is too extreme, but she was acknowledging, like, they're tapping into something I don't think they understand. And that child sacrifice, I think you nailed it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I mean, yeah, I think of that, The, you know, that's how, that, I think that's how Satan works. The the one person who's saying, hail Satan, everybody's like, oh, uh, I don't want to be associated with that. But guess what? Satan isn't out there with horns and a pitchfork. That's right. He's out there uh, taking his time. He's been at this for thousands of years. He knows what he's doing. Yes. He's not going to come at you that way. He's going to come at you and say, hey, just be proud of how you want to live. Oh, that's not that's just a clump of cells. That's not a baby like he and he he, he twists and turns and deceives along the way. Mm -hmm. And then you get to this point where it's like carte blanche. We're just slaughtering humans. I mean, that's that's what it is. And, and the if weird we thing is, yeah, the weird thing is you grow out of it is is these women that basically are in their 40s and 50s. They've never had children. They've never had the opportunity. They were sold a bill of goods and they end up being in charge of the FBI, uh, different offices. So I'm just going to bring this up for a moment because this is relevant to what we were talking about earlier. This is a woman named Jackie McGuire. I broke the story yesterday on my Twitter page. So those of you who haven't seen it, I think we've got a maybe a hundred and something thousand views on it. So people are seeing it. Uh, this is her name. She she did a, uh, an expose while she was in um, in the special agent in charge role somewhere, probably in Philadelphia. It says, women in uniform, my career with the FBI special agent in charge. So Jackie McGuire, or Jacqueline McGuire, who was the special agent in charge of the field office in Philadelphia, was just named in charge of the training division. And it's relevant because when you start putting people that have minimal life experience, they don't value uh, lives. And in many ways, she probably missed a calling. She doesn't seem to be a happy person. Here's the story that I want to bring up to you guys. Some of you remember, we actually did an entire episode about this. This is before uh, Garrett was public. This was called uh, an episode that you can go back and watch it. It's called You Can't Just Shoot a Dog. And you can't just shoot a dog. Garrett, you were on SWAT. You were a defensive tax instructor. Is there any provision under the FBI's um, deadly force policy that, or DOJ's deadly force policy where you can defend your property, which is what a dog ends up actually being? No. No, uh, it, it, the deadly force policy is the deadly force policy, whether you like it or not. So if a dog is attacking you or another person and you have a reasonable belief that they're going to cause great bodily harm or death to a human, right? then yeah, you're justified. Uh, but in this case, when you're walking your dog down the streets of Philadelphia and another dog or your dog attacks that dog or that dog attacks yours, you're not justified to start killing somebody else's dog because there's an attack. Right. Uh, you know, dogs fighting, essentially pull your dog away and hope that the, the other owner of a dog pulls their dog away right. and then go to the vet and, and have the dog lick its wounds. But you can't pull out your gun because you're the special agent in charge of the Philadelphia field office and shoot somebody else's dog because dogs are nipping at each other or maybe even even, even if it's a pit bull and even if it's killing the other dog and that's what's so scary screwy first of all she's physically incapable of dealing with the pit bull in another way but what people are like oh it's a pit bull like so you know that changes the game and the answer is only if the pit bull is attacking you or some other human being right. it, if it mauls your dog to death it mauls your dog to death and and here's my other my answer to it because it always comes up it's like okay well you want to defend your dog i understand that um physically you and i would have choked out the pit bull that's what would have happened 
Mm-hmm. It would not be a gunshot scenario, not in the middle, busy streets of, of Philadelphia. But most importantly, and I think this is the part where people forget about it. How many times have we heard about an FBI agent randomly on the street killing a, a pit bull because all FBI agents have dogs? And the answer is zero. This is the <laughs> only time it's ever happened. Um, but yeah. in the fairness of the world, we're going to bring up this little quick story here because I think I actually have a video of it. And this is the results of what happens when we let women who are running these you know, agencies. Here's the uh, here's the, the follow up on it, which you guys found out probably. I think this actually came out after we did the uh, the article or the uh, the podcast. So let's play this real quick. Maybe. Maybe. 50-50. What do you think? Are we going to get the video? Mm-hmm. PC load letter. It's Yeah, well, you know, it was loaded, and of course now it's not. So let me just, actually, let me just refresh yeah. this. We'll just do it real quickly, because it, it actually is interesting to hear people talk about these things. Here it it is, yeah. Because yep. they don't seem too surprised by it, as you can imagine. Are we going to get a, uh, mm-hmm. oh, we're going to get a Burger King ad. Forget that. I'm done with that. <laughs> <laughs> so you got, uh, essentially, she's been cleared of the charges on the, uh, the the local AG, actually, rather, has decided that they're not going to press charges on her, despite the fact that she, you know, discharged a firearm inside the city limits. They let the federal government handle it. And then, of course, she was yeah. probably cleared by the FBI. She, so, yeah. Of um, course. Yeah. Rules for thee, not for me. Because if you, random citizen in Philadelphia, if you do that, Good luck, man. Good oh, luck. Yeah. In, oh, yeah. Oh, no, no. You're, city? you're going to jail. You're in a blue yeah. city. Yeah. I brought this up, too. This is another one of those overreaches of the government getting involved in things that doesn't need to happen. This was one of those most, like, um, sort of acutely upsetting videos. I want to share this with folks. If you haven't seen this, this happened in the UK, but I do think in many ways this is uh, going to show up in Canada very soon if it's not there already. And the United States is moving this way when we have law enforcement officers that don't step up and do the right thing. And uh, I think this is going to be very uh, familiar to you. So the background on this, you're not going to be able to read what it actually says in that text, so bear with me. But essentially, we're talking about um, this autistic girl is being dragged out because she made a comparison. She said that the female officer she was talking to outside with her mother looked like her grandmother and the grandmother is a lesbian. And so she drew a one-to-one comparison. She's autistic and she has a, a processing capability. This is the way that these officers treated her. It's about two minutes long. So we'll just skip into it. They are dealing with her in the house. You'll see the female officer. And it's like I said, I think this is coming to us. You guys got to be ready for, for this kind of tyranny and officers need to resist it. Your own house. You put her on camera. She hasn't said anything to you. Why you don't come and don't worry. She hasn't done anything. She's autistic. She's autistic. I don't care. She's autistic. I'm telling you, I thought you was coming. She's going to be arrested. I'm 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 her nana is a lesbian. She's married to a woman. She's not on the phone. Look what you're clenching your face. Go away from my teenage daughter. You're, you're something wrong with you, mate. She didn't aim it at the police officer. It's not a homophobic remark. She said. She said she made homophobic remarks at my colleague. I want you to just know. So they're they're in there and they're they're having this long discussion. Look how many people are here. Like you can see, like multiple law enforcement officers responding to this obviously crisis. Uh, and as people are saying in the chat, and as our friend Sav Hernandez said, uh, it checks out. She does look like a lesbian. So this girl's like a teenager. Um, there's there's a picture of her right there. I'm going to show you because they're going to carry her out. And she's pretty upset. Yeah, as anybody would be, not not even just an autistic person. So you can see they're walking her for a second. And then apparently she also has scoliosis. So she's got spinal issues. She falls to the floor. She's, you know, she doesn't process things. That's what autism is. It's a processing issue. And so there she is on the ground trying to figure out what's going on. And so the officers resort to what they know how to do. They just grab arms and pull her up. And I'm sure this is incredibly painful. We're not hearing the screams, but it looks pretty bad. And uh, at some point, we're going to just see that female officer who instigated this sort of thing and, and basically said, you've made a homophobic slur. There she is. She's just standing with her arms crossed and justice is being served. It is being done. Um, sad stuff, but uh, also sort of the world we live in right now. Yeah, you know, that man. I know it reminds office. us of that of what happened to that guy that was uh, down the street from you. And was it Watertown? Yeah. The preacher in Watertown. Yeah, it, it does. It does remind me of that. And just to see that and then to see her smugness at the end, not even participating. And I don't know the laws in the UK, but it sounded like the homophobic, allegedly homophobic remark was to the officer here. It, 
That's we were standard. told all the time. Yeah, we were told all the time. You can't arrest somebody for disorderly conduct if it's directed at you, like you, the officer. So if somebody is, you know, cussing you out or, you know, talking about your mom or whatever they're doing, because it happens all the time to cops, you can't, you, as an officer, you can't be the victim of that crime. So, you know, if, if, if they're being like in Wisconsin, part of the disorderly conduct statute is like unreasonably loud okay. and profane. So say they're, they're yelling at you, you know, on the street corner and there's a, a crowd gathering, you know, maybe you could talk to somebody in the crowd and be like, Hey, were you disturbed by that? Then, then sure you can. But typically you're, you're not, you're just going to deal with it as an officer should. You're not going to, I mean, look at what they did, dude. It, it, it makes my stomach flip, man, because it is the a- absolute opposite of what law enforcement is supposed to be doing in in any country. Right. There's no protect and like, serve in that, is there? No, not at all. Not at all. It's just it's the, it's it's again it's the state power. It's I'm going to keep you under my thumb because I'm the one who has the power and the control. And it's it's not law enforcement. It's not serve and protect. It's not born by the people. It's I'm in charge. And that's all it comes down to is control. And it's, it's like, yeah. and, and it's control, it's controlled by fear, which is even worse, which that is tyranny. Yes. And it's, it's, it's minority tyranny. Like I said, it's a small group of people. And you're talking about somebody that's already, you know, has a disability with this. I want to show uh, a couple other things real quick. This was uh, Chris Ray. And, and it's, it's not coincidental. I don't think that this woman is a female police officer. There are people, of course, there are wonderful police officers that are females. We deal with them. We know them, but they're, they're a smaller subset because there's a smaller set of women in there. And the ones that are bad that physically are unable to do like, if this was a man who was dealing with this physically, he doesn't need to prove himself to a little girl like that. Like that would be such a power imbalance. But the the fact that we have this woman in there and I'm like, well, look, we're, we're going over female tyranny and in, in our, um, in our thing, this is Chris Ray talking about, uh, how great, the leadership is in the FBI for anybody who has any sort of doubts or thinks that we're going to get better with this man at the helm. Just want to play this because it's so funny. <laughs> See if we can get the play button. This. Today's FBI leaders reflect the best of our organization, an organization that is made up of 38,000 men and women who are patriots, professionals, and dedicated public servants. And that is the real FBI. ABC's Jay O'Brien joins me now for more on. Yeah, I don't need that. Um, you want to tell me about the real FBI there, Garrett? Does that sound like the real FBI to you? It probably is. You know, it's it's another, be, be. maybe, I don't know. Like, when he says stuff like that, I want to know, one, who wrote that for him? Right. Because I don't think he, he wrote it. Probably not. And two, if he believes it, it really does show how insulated he is. Because how many, quote, unquote, dedicated professionals did you even work with? I would say not that many. I no. mean, it was a it was the minority who were truly dedicated, and you knew who they were, right? And and, and you know what they result in? Then, they result in this. Exactly, exactly. This, this is written then, by the editorial yeah. board at the Post. Like this isn't just like some opinion writer. This is the actual opinion of the New York Post. I'll read this for those of you who are not well, watching on the uh, on the Rumble channel. Uh, FBI head Chris Ray lied about targeting Catholic. He owes uh, America answers. He owes this country answers. This is yesterday's uh, drop. It was at 8 p.m. last night. So this is a fairly this is this morning's news there. You know, he's got some explaining to do, as they like to say. Right. Because the man said that it was one field office involved. We found out this week that it was more than it was two others on both coasts. Exactly. And for- I just don't believe that he didn't know that because remember in his testimony initially about that, he acted all in rage and said it, as soon as I heard about it, we looked into it. It was one field office and we're doing our internal review, which is BS also, by the way, like, why does the FBI, let me tell you something. When I got that document, it was already redacted. Okay. On purpose. The whistleblower who gave it to me was redacting to protect sources and methods, as is appropriate for someone who works inside the FBI and knows what the thing was. We redacted it in order to give it to Congress. That was going to be an appropriate way to disclose it. That's why it was redacted. And if you go to Uncover DC and you find our article, which was in the early uh, February, it's uh, I think it's uh, FBI doubles down on targeting Christians. So you can find that. It's actually in my Twitter feed as well, and I'll put it up on Truth again. But it was in there, and it was redacted by the individual who did the whistleblowing on purpose to basically keep sources and method protected. When the original do- the original document obviously wasn't, and so when Chris Ray saw it for the first time because we exposed it. By the way, he says he doesn't know how he found out about it. I can tell you how he found out about it. He found out about it because I put it in an article, and then it went you know balls to the wall across the country. But he lied about that, and he could immediately see that there were other field offices known. He knew about it the same day that he found out about it. The same day he got it. Absolutely, absolutely, because. They know, like, 
okay, this one's going to be big. Even Merrick Garland, you know, and Merrick Garland and, and Chris Ray both put on this phony outrage. I mean, I guess I don't know the, the, the true intent of their heart, but to me, based on what I do know, based on my experiences with the FBI and the DOJ, I just don't believe that they are, are truly heartfelt about their, their faux enragement over this issue. Because if he was actually enraged about it, that whistleblower who took that to Congress, they would not have gotten the, the treatment that we got. None of us would have gotten that treatment. And then uh, on top of it, to claim that it was just that one field office? No, no. He was getting briefed about that. I'm sure he had the document in hand that same day to go over it, to try to come up with the answers he was going to come up with. And he sits in front of Congress and perjures himself again. Yeah. And what's going to happen? What's going to happen to him? Nothing. Correct. All right. Um, I've got a, uh, a little video I wanted to play because we're going to be coming to the end here. And I, I think the Outrage Fest uh, is a good way to run into it. But let's do something a little bit positive. This is something uh, that Ryan threw out there for me. So hopefully I can throw this in the middle of the screen. Uh, proof that we have, in fact, freed the cup. Apparently you were doing the merch thing. So I'll ask you about that first. But let me just say uh, we'll thank Patriot Cooler. Here they are. Let's see. Patriot Coolers, you guys know, they have some really cool stuff. Uh, they have some some gifts for veterans. You can go to PatriotCoolers.com. Use promo code Kyle, K-Y-L-E. Promo code Kyle gets you 10% off. That's real easy to do. You can get one of these cool-looking veteran ones, or you can get one like producer Ryan, and here it is. Looks like a Yeti. Look at it. Let's see what Kyle got you. There might be something pretty cool on it. What's it got on it? Yeah, that's sick. That's a Patriot one. Yeah. What do you think? Pretty cool. Pretty cool? Yeah. Say thanks, Kyle. Thanks, Kyle. Say thanks, Patriot Cooler. Thanks, Patriot Cooler. Guess I let my feelings take control. Guess I let my demons take the wheel. <laughs> so there we go uh patriot cooler you can check it. that out that's the one that's sitting in the uh in the matta household and i think he gave it to his son which is absolutely an appropriate thing ryan used to actually sell yeti tumblers and so he's got like hundreds of them running around no. so he, his need for a cup was low but uh if we give it to his kiddo I'm, I'm super happy about that so anyway the cup is free as people are saying in the chat it has been mitigated our situation has been uh, we have fulfilled the promise of the cup it is now with the Matta family, so uh, Garrett, I'm gonna I'm gonna shut this sucker down. It's been I think uh, a long enough show for what it is. I think that uh, people know that the uh, t t this week the FBI was the bad guy again. How many more weeks do you think we can handle doing that before uh, before some change happens in this country? I don't know. I wish I could say like one or two, but uh, man, the complacency overall in the country is going to it's an uphill climb on on every every angle as far as i'm concerned but hey at least it's friday and we're heading into the weekend <laughs> that is right yeah uh tjf moment show people the shirt you're wearing let them know uh, people tell me you could buy it on ebay is that correct can, can they find it uh this this one not yet so just the last line one uh oh. i actually want to move away from ebay as soon as possible but uh yeah I, i'm figuring it out and i will figure it out uh i actually uh hit up the state uh this week to try to figure out my LLC. Okay. Uh, so uh, once I get that off the ground, we're going to, we're going to get this, we're going to get this figured out. I'm sorry. It's taken so long. I was telling uh, Jen, who's usually in the chat. I don't know if she is today, but uh, she was the first one to, to get, get one of the last line shirts on eBay. And I was like, I got to get off eBay uh, as soon as I can. I know we have, you have the, the, the website. So we're, we're going to get this figured out as soon as possible. All right. And I'm sorry it's taken so long. <laughs> the merch the merch is pending. All right, my bud. Uh, we'll talk pretty soon. You and I will talk later on today. But uh, thanks for joining us for the show. And uh, I hope you guys have a good uh, morning. Let me go ahead and close this thing out for the day. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to The Kyle Serafin Show. And it is streamed live from Liberty Hill, Texas, Monday through Friday at 9.30 Eastern, but it's 8.30 here in Texas, America. We want to say thanks to you for listening, our new monthly supporters that have been jumping in on Rumble. I think it's like a $5 subscription that comes to us, it looks like. That's pretty cool. Um, like I said, we got our first we got our first Rumble check. This is probably going to go to just straight over to Ryan Matta, who's been doing such good work. And I don't know if you guys know this, but he basically, like not even basically, he volunteers to do this thing. And I pretty much am 
uh, at my wits end without him. So uh, we really do appreciate that. And as you guys watch and you add the uh, ad revenue to this program and you share it around, it is a big deal to us and it actually is growing and we are actually seeing revenue increases on the actual channel itself, not just from sponsors. So totally awesome. Nearly uh, 650 five-star reviews on the Apple Podcasts and they continue to grow because of one like this. Uh, yesterday, we had Haas Dresden, which I am still just really into that name, Haas Dresden. Today's five-star review comes from RLG. 551. Always informative. Five stars. Your episodes and interviews are always informative and interesting. I've learned so much about what's really going on, unfortunately, for all of us. Thank you so much for everything you do. God bless you for fighting this fight. Um, well, God bless you, RLG551. We appreciate your five-star review. We will continue to do it. You're all in the fight. Uh, we will start a new, I think the hashtag is going to be the letter R, the letter U, suspendable. Are you suspendable? That's the question. If you have not seen our episode uh, about the Republic, if we can keep it, go back and watch. That was earlier this week, and I think it was kind of a, uh, it was one of the barn burners that I've ever done. But uh, the, the question is this, are you suspendable? Are you willing to be a white martyr? Are you willing to do the right thing because it's the right thing? Simply because that is what you're called to do. And I think many of you are, and we know that, and so we're very appreciative that you're out there. We'll start putting that hashtag out on things, but are you, the letters are you, suspendable? Feel free to ask your neighbors as they are doing things when you see people that have not done it and you know that you would have done the right thing. Um, set your feet in stone right now. Stand in front of that line and don't give any space. It's really, really important on this Friday morning as we go into it. Uh, again, usually we'll say a thank you and I'll say it anyway because Ryan even did put a video. Even in this show, you can follow our producer, Ryan Matta. M-A-T-T-A. He's Ryan Matta Media. If you go to Twitter and Ryan Matta, M-A-T-T-A on True Social. Uh, thanks to Steve Friend for jumping on. You guys know where to follow him. And Garrett O'Boyle, who you may or may not be able to follow. You can probably follow him on True Social. And that is G-O-B Golf Oscar Bravo. G-O-B Actual on True Shelves. We'll follow him up and we'll get his uh, Substack freed soon with his lawyer's case. Don't forget to like the video. Go down and hit that thumbs up until the screen. We do appreciate that. Rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. If you're watching anywhere else, you can join the live chat. Rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. There are dozens and dozens of you in there right now. Look like we had about 700 people watching this thing live on Rumble side. So thanks so much for joining us today. And folks, we will see you on Monday with a very interesting interview of the former girlfriend of disgraced FBI special agent in charge of the New York field office. His girlfriend, this is the girlfriend of Charlie McGonigal, who is facing a plea, probably a sweetheart deal coming out of the Southern District of New York on Tuesday. So we will get ahead of that and tell you that story. Thanks very much for joining us. We will see you after the weekend. Thanks for listening to the Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live weekdays on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter, Truth Social, and Instagram at Kyle Serafin.